When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Christian Blood, KTSA News, and it's now time once again for the Jack Riccardi Show. Well, hey, good afternoon, Christian. Happy Friday. Happy Friday to you as well. TGIF, as they say. Yeah. I think if there was a quote of the week, not that that's a feature, but if we had a feature called quote of the week, it would be the EPA administrator who yesterday told the people of Palestine, Ohio, Hey, just trust the government. Uh-huh. I mean, wow. But what That should be a t-shirt. But which government? Cuz you got the Ohio <laughs> DNR saying something else. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. You know, just find one you can trust. Well, you've heard the there phrase, you you've heard the phrase parallel economy and, and some mm-hmm, of these different mm-hmm. dynamics. Yeah. Do we not have parallel government now? Anyway, parallel realities is what we yeah, have. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know. So anyway, that is our new slogan. Uh, just, just trust the government. Come on, people. Come on now. Come on, man. All right. Welcome to our dreadful little show. Feel free to jump in anytime at 210-599-5555. I don't want you to go around looking stupid. So I'm going to, we're going to clear something up right off the bat. I noticed, uh, today that a lot of people, people who I think should probably know better, like Carrie Lake, have been uh, tweeting and retweeting the statement that George Soros, you know who he is, right? Uh, George Soros, the uh, multi-billionaire globalist, has endorsed Ron DeSantis for president. And that is not true. George Soros hates everything about the Republican Party. He hates anything and everything that would advance the Republican Party. He's made that very clear. Um, So what's happened is people have taken out of context a statement he made making it look like he's endorsing Ron DeSantis over Donald Trump for the Republican nomination. He did say that he hopes... DeSantis and Trump run against each other. But what he said is not that he likes Governor DeSantis or thinks he'd be a good president, but that he figures if DeSantis beats Trump for the Republican nomination, then Trump runs as a third-party or independent candidate, and a three-way race ensures a Democratic victory. All that George Soros wants are people uh, who he has in his pocket in power. And that's that's the be-all and end-all. So when he was talking about his wish list or how he would like things to go in the future, he wants DeSantis over Trump for the purposes of them canceling each other out. And I don't know if the people that are tweeting this or retweeting this really didn't understand that or did understand it and just figure, hey, we'll use anything we can get. Um, I, I don't have a head or, or, or a sense, I should say, of what's going on in Donald Trump's head. 
Um, I, I don't, I don't quite get what's going on, but I will say this. If you're a Trump supporter and you want him back in the White House, uh, that's fine. I don't think, uh, sharing an out of context and twisted George Soros quote is a good look for you guys. So I would probably not do that. I don't really even get how the, uh, you know, slandering and smearing the names of every other Republican out there is a good strategy. Um, one of the things you, 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 uh, may have noticed from Trump's term as president was the island, uh, that he was basically on. And you, you're going to have to have buy-in, not an island, if there's a second Trump term. So if you're hoping for that, I think this is the worst way to get it, the worst strategy to achieve it. Uh, I don't really understand it, but, you know, that's what's going on with that. We talked about the Don Lemon thing yesterday. He's still apologizing. But I'm, I'm really rethinking this now. I really don't think Don Lemon is this dumb. Don't get me wrong. I think he's dumb. But I don't think he's this dumb. I don't think anybody's this dumb. I mean, this is a level of idiocy that would make it, you know, you'd forget to breathe. As far as I can tell, Don Lemon is breathing. So if you missed the story yesterday, he blurted out on CNN's uh, dreadful uh, morning show where his anchors, his co-anchors, are two women. And he thought this was a good time to say that uh, regarding uh, the the comment that uh, Nikki Haley made about, uh, you know, basically testing politicians over a certain age uh, for mental acuity, that Nikki Haley herself is not in her prime. This is what he had said that got him in so much trouble. Cut number five. This whole talk about age makes me uncomfortable. I think that I think it's the wrong road to go down. She says people, you know, politicians or something are not in their prime. Nikki Haley isn't in her prime. Sorry. When a woman is considered to be in her prime in her 20s and 30s and maybe 40s. What are you talking about? That's not according to me. Prime for what? Uh, it depends. I mean, it's just like prime. If you look it up, it'll. If you look, if you Google oh. when is a woman in her prime, it'll say twenties, thirties, and forties. I don't necessarily. Forties. Oh, I got it. I'm not decade. saying I agree with that. So I think she has to be careful about saying that. Mm. You know, politicians aren't in their prime. All right. So so anyway, that's that's what he said, and, and the women jumped on him. Um, well, they didn't jump on him because that doesn't happen to Don Lemon. But you know, um, I think he is just desperate to be in the headlines. I mean, I, I think he'll do anything to stay relevant. You know, when you're on CNN, it's like you're in the witness protection program, for starters. And given the ratings of that morning show, uh, he, he pretty much, he, he is like one step away from being reported missing. And so I think what's happening here is whether he feels like he's on his way out the door or he's just trying to save his job or maybe his job is secure, but but people can't find him. He's letting everybody know where he is. These kinds of idiotic blurts from from Don Lemon are the equivalent of people marking themselves safe on Facebook. Like, hey, I'm here. I'm still doing my thing. I just, I, you know, what do you think? I mean, I don't think anybody's that stupid. By the way, I mentioned Chris Cuomo. We couldn't find the audio yesterday. This was Chris Cuomo on a podcast. I remember he got fired from CNN, and he's not over it. He's talking about how it made him feel. To lose the CNN gig, listen to this, cut number six. I have learned to accept it. I had to accept because I was going to kill everybody, uh, including myself. Things can consume you. Italians are so passionate. And I oh. really had to fight against that because, you know, just like you did, I got too many people counting on me. Okay, all right. 
Yeah, that's right. When you fire an Italian, just so you know if you have any working for you, we come back and kill everybody. So he makes a stupid statement that sounds like a eerie, kind of icky self-reveal. He was so caught up in who he was on television that he wanted to die if he couldn't be on CNN, and he wanted to kill everybody. And, oh, that's because I'm Italian. Thanks, Don. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Don. Both of you doing a great job. Um, for the record, I've been fired. I'm probably going to get fired again. Not going to kill myself. Not going to kill anybody else. He doesn't speak for all of us in the uh, Italian-American uh, community. Just clearing that up. You know, we, we only kill other people. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Italians are so passionate. Mm, yeah. Is that what he was? Passionate? Okay. Um, so did you hear that the reason the Biden administration has given for rejecting a federal disaster assistance request from the governor of Ohio, Mike DeWine, is because FEMA doesn't do what they need. FEMA is not the right agency. So, in essence, even though all your life, FEMA was created in the late 70s, all your life, FEMA this, FEMA that, FEMA's on the scene, FEMA's on the way, this one is not the right thing. You you have to go to a different department. So it's like Mike DeWine, the governor of Ohio, is like a guy calling, you know, his bank or his insurance company, and he pressed the wrong button. On his phone, you know, when you, when you're in the phone tree, you press the wrong button. Oh, sir, you're supposed to press seven, not six. So we're not going to be able to help you. And how about Pete Buttigieg? He's another, uh, sterling character. Now he is still talking about how he's deeply concerned about what happened, but he wants you to understand this is not that special a moment. Cut number four. Uh, look, rail safety is something that uh, uh, that has evolved a lot over the years, but there's clearly more that needs to be done because uh, while this uh, horrible situation ha- has gotten a particularly high amount of attention, there are roughly 1,000 cases a year of a train derailing. Hey, don't feel so bad, people of uh, East Palestine, Ohio. This happens three times a day, every single day. You're not so special. How many times do we have to explain to these morons that the train derailment was not the disaster. The blowing up the, the stuff that leaked out of the train is the disaster. I mean, it would have been bad. To spill this stuff is bad. To have your town inundated with overturned, leaking tanker cars is bad. But, no, this does not happen three times a day. This does not happen a thousand times a year. I like the way he says rail safety is something that has evolved. I don't think it's a, I think, I think things in nature evolve. Rail safety is infrastructure. You have to build it, Pete. You have to manage it. You have to invest in it. And I wonder how much money was wasted by the federal government on, um, all kinds of, uh, you know, equity and, 
uh, racial balance in construction sites and subsidizing Amtrak and all this other stuff. I just I, I question whether it, it's a it's a good thing to say as the Secretary of Transportation of the United States of America on national television that there are a thousand of these a year. Like I would, if that's true, I would think that's a a a, a, a real like F on your report card. That that doesn't sound good to me. I know there's I know there's billions of tons of rail traffic, and I know there's X number of, tra- but I wouldn't just sort of take a disaster that has permanently altered the lives of people and go, well, hey, three times a day, get over it. Two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. I wish I could show you this graph because it's incredible, uh, and I don't say that very often. But the British uh, medical journal, The Lancet. Did a uh, or published a landmark study about natural immunity to COVID nineteen, and you already know what I'm going to say. For years, we were told that natural immunity was not so great. In fact, you could lose your social media platform if you talked about natural immunity. The idea that it was somehow a competitor for the vaccine—how dare you? What are you? What kind of science hater, knuckle dragger are you? Well, the Lancet uh, article is about a long-term landmark study that shows that natural immunity to COVID-19, meaning having had it and recovered from it, is more robust and longer-lasting than the protection afforded by any of the vaccines, even people that get the boosters and have had multiple jabs. And they show a graph, and they chart on the graph the the, the average longevity of the protection for each of these things, each of the you know the Moderna, the Pfizer, the this, the that, and the and then the natural immunity, and the natural immunity line goes on way longer than the others. So for the longest time, there have been people saying, "Your best defense." against COVID-19 is to recover from it. And that turns out to be true. How many people lost their jobs over vaccine mandates? How many people missed time with family members that they'll never get back or events in their lives or the lives of others that they'll never get back? How many people were kicked out of the military for not getting the vaccine? And how much disruption was there to our economy and our lives because the people we needed to do things, drive things, deliver things, provide services, were were themselves not able to do it, not permitted to do it, because they opted out of the vaccine. The elites were wrong. The uh, loudest voices in the room were wrong. And they not only were wrong, but they tried to hide how wrong they were. This kind of study should have been done a long time ago. This kind of study should be trumpeted by public health authorities. It came out in a British medical journal. Why isn't there a news conference with the U.S. Surgeon General? Why isn't this our study? In fact, Israel did a study like this back in 2021 with pretty much the same results, and the Biden administration shot it down. What do they know? That backwards country. So just remember, the people that misled you for years about your health are the same people telling you they they know exactly what is going to happen with the environment 
and exactly what you must do, i.e. sacrifice, to save the planet. They are as sure of that as they were about the vaccine. Just remember that. Um, We're going to talk about something that happened two years ago today coming up. And, um, yeah, I, I don't know what Don Lemon is doing. I, I just, I, I'm, I'm really starting to think that it has something to do with career preservation. It's easy. It would be funny and it would be easy to sit here and just poke fun at what a maroon, but I, I really don't think that's it. I, I mean, he, he's not bright, but I think this is a desperate sort. He's like flailing in the water. And, you know, when you're flailing in the water, you're not really swimming anymore. You're just trying to stay afloat. I, I, I think he's trying to save his career. By being, you know, notorious, <laughs> because you know he's. It, it looks like everything that's happening on that show, he's making these women that work with him hate him. Um, he even the way he delivers the observation about Nikki Haley, not in a, you know, it's like it's like it's Mean Girls or something. You know, he has like this slangy, you know, uh, LOL kind of delivery it's just it's not he's my age you know how's he doing and um so we got that uh we got mayor pete saying uh get over yourself he's palestine three train derailments a day you're not so special 210-599-5555 we got the lancet story about natural immunity it's really important to remember that the people that tried to run your life and uh, impose their absolute rule, not only in terms of rule, but even uh, where there was no space to have a debate or engagement, they're on their next crusade. So it's important to point out how wrong they were about something that has happened because I think it's a precursor of how wrong they're going to be about climate. Esteban is on 550 and 1071 KTSA. Esteban, good afternoon. Good afternoon. I'm a kind of science nerd. I have a degree in history. But I love science. Science has to be explainable. Uh, you know, you listen to Bob Webster's show, which is a great show. He explains everything. So I remember all my life, COVID was the first disease that if you've gotten over, you needed a vaccine for that was the first time it happened in my lifetime. I remember all this stuff. You know, you get a different flu, vac- flu vaccine this year because the flu is different. And this is the first disease that I remember where if you've gotten over it, I remember when I probably had it, and my parents were hurrying me about getting the vaccine. And it was never explained why. It was, we're the experts. Mm-hmm. have this... We have these degrees. Mm-hmm. You know, you make a good point about explainable, because when you said that, Esteban, you know what my immediately, what I first thought of was, if you remember back like in the 18th and 19th centuries, when a scientist or a researcher would develop something new, like Marconi developing wireless telegraphy, the first thing they would do is present it to public meetings. So they would go to a, like he, he had to demonstrate that he could activate something without any wires or line of sight and and that there could be such a thing as wireless telegraphy which became radio eventually so the the first place they went to was the court of public opinion before they got a patent before they got before anything else and and now as you point out they don't bother 
to explain. They just demand that you take their word for it. And, you know, it should be able – every con, every scientific concept I know is ultimately explainable, ultimately logical. I mean, this whole COVID thing is almost like a every scientific parody of religion and the Dark Ages. That's what this COVID yeah. thing came yeah. along. Yeah, it felt like a it felt like a religion. You just had to take it on faith. Yeah, that's a great great point, Esteban. Thank you, sir. Um, and of course, as the EPA guy says, just just trust the government. Okay, come on, make it easy on yourself. I mean, we could this show could be over in two minutes if you just trust the government. I didn't want to let today go by without mentioning this. Um, this this today is the two year anniversary of the passing of Rush Limbaugh. He died. He lost his battle uh, with cancer two years ago. Uh, today and um the reason i think it's important to mention this is because you and i are coming together on a piece of ground that this guy basically uh won for us i mean i I, i've been in radio since before rush limbaugh was a nationally syndicated talk show host so i i kind of saw the the before and after of his phenomenon. He went national in the late 80s. Station started picking it up in syndication, I think about 88 or 89. So, um, and I think this station picked it up in 90, if I remember correctly. But prior to him, talk radio existed, but it was not a force in our business. And it was really not a force in our, in our politics or our culture. And a guy like me has the job I have today because he showed that it could be uh, popular, it could be profitable, it was a viable format for radio stations. He came along just at the time when a lot of AM radio stations were still playing music, but knew they could not do it much longer. And it saved a lot of companies and a lot of stations in terms of giving them a kind of programming that was not only popular but useful. And what's funny is, so that was mostly AM radio. I would, I would imagine the first several hundred of his affiliates were probably all AM radio stations. But, but now that same thing is saving FM radio. Now more and more of your, uh, struggling, failing, extraneous FM stations are becoming either news talk or sports talk, like our sister station, Sports Stars, now on FM. So, I just I think it's important to to give him his place, give him his due. Um, I, uh, I I met him, I liked him, I listened to him. But even if you're not a fan or you didn't get a chance to hear him, we are where we are because of what he did. Two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. Um, all right, we're now joined on our KTSA Connecticut Quality Water Softeners Newsmaker Line by video journalist Nick Sordor, who has done something almost. No elected official has uh, deigned to do. He has gone to and stayed with the people of East Palestine, Ohio. He's joining us now. And, and Nick, thanks for making a few minutes for us. Um, I was just talking about this uh, story that the reason the Biden administration gave for rejecting the, the federal assistance request from the governor of Ohio was that FEMA is not the right agency. How could you possibly say that FEMA is not the right agency for this? These people, 
I mean, these people can't What's even... What's the E for? The E is for emergency, right? This is an emergency. Right. It's literally in the name. Federal Emergency Management Agency. I, I, I don't get it. The people here don't get it. I mean, is it really... Is it not an emergency when, you, when your tap water could potentially be poisoned? I mean, uh, these people need to be able to get out of their houses. They need to be able to go away and stay in a hotel somewhere mm-hmm. for the time being yeah. because they can't, they, their kids are drinking this stuff too. At some yeah. point they're forced to drink this tap water and, you know, take a shower or something. And, and you've even got the government, the federal and the state government that are both saying, well, we don't really know if the, uh, if the tap water is good. Maybe you should get it tested. You know, and that's what they're, that, that's what they're saying. That's their story. However, you had two days ago Mike DeWine saying that you should, uh, that maybe you should use bottled water. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, there's got to be some consistency here. It's some, this, this is why nobody is trusting this, this state yeah. or federal government response. Well, and I mean, it, it seems to me like you could, it's like transferring a phone call. Oh, you've called the wrong department, but let me let me transfer you to the people who can help you. It doesn't seem like that would be terribly difficult to do. Um, did, one of the things that seems to be lost in the translation, Nick, and I think you can address this, is I keep hearing people in the town say, they're telling us to do this and do this and do this, but we don't have the money or the resources to do it. And we need help now. We can't be. We we can't rely on be, being reimbursed later. It, it, that's that's a big issue, right? Right. That's a hundred percent an issue, and I've heard that from countless people. Um, and, and this, in my opinion, let's say that before Norfolk Southern sues me, is that they are trying to dole out these thousand dollar checks to people and have them sign a hold harmless. Uh, waiver, which basically says, okay, we're paying this $1,000 to you to not sue us later, okay? Some of these people are in desperate situations, okay? That $1,000 for them to get out of the town, right, they might have to take it. They may not be able to, even if Norfolk Southern says that they're going to reimburse your hotel payments, if you don't have the money to pay for a hotel to begin with, Mm -hmm. you can't be reimbursed. There's no, you can't leave. Yeah. So that they're taking advantage of that, in my opinion. Yeah, and and I, I'm glad you brought up the thousand dollars. So, am I correct in understanding that the thousand dollars comes with the strings attached, including that you are indemnifying them uh, if you take the money, right? That seems to be the case. Yeah. What was the reaction from people you talked to about uh, Senator J.D. Vance showing up? Uh, he, he seems to be one of the very few, uh, at least that I've seen on my reading of the news, uh, elected officials who's been there, and he was there, and he uh, talked a lot, did a lot of interviews about what he saw. What was the reaction to that? So J.D. Vance definitely, um, he, he did have quite a presence, and he did help. He, he definitely did help. He um, him and I put out uh, videos at a, a similar time where, you know, I, I had a video of throwing a rock in the water and watching this plume of chemicals come up from the bottom and turn the stream into a rainbow. Uh, that's on my Twitter. I think it's like up to like 12 million views now. Uh, and then J.D. Vance put one out shortly after mm-hmm. uh, showing it, you know, pretty much confirming that, uh, which was very important. It's very important that, that comes from a U.S. senator, right? Um you also had yesterday Senator Brown, which came 
and finally the EPA administrator. Mm-hmm. Um, the issue with that is they came 13 days too late. Where, where were they? Where mm-hmm. was the EPA administrator? You know, this is, this is one of the worst, uh, you know, environmental disasters in U.S. history, like recent U.S. history, and this guy's doing what? Was he on paternity leave, like, like pothole Pete? <laughs> I don't, I don't. Well, he was the Michael Regan is the one who said, uh, "Hey, people, you need to trust the government," uh, which is a, a really um, the 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 lack of self awareness of a statement like that is uh, yeah. is, is almost mind blowing. What, what about um, the science too? I mean, is it yeah? You know, is it is it true? That? I thought I heard that the 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 railroad had the tracks replaced within like 48 or 72 hours is that is that true that is 100% accurate what they did was they took the rail cars that were you know disabled by the, the crash and they just shoved them off the track and and yeah they uh they drained all the the leftover hazardous waste into a ditch uh so that that's what happened out there uh, so yes, the forty-eight hour thing is is a hundred percent correct, and what they are doing right now is trying to install permanent tracks. And you know, so thank thank God they can continue to transport their their vinyl chloride, which they are currently doing again. So now I also have seen um, maps and and I've I've heard explanations of just how um, kind of crucial a choke point this town is in in terms of the water supply of much of the United States, because um, from that region flows not only the Ohio River, but then other, uh, you know, into other rivers and the Mississippi. And is there, is there anybody talking, Nick, about the potential for this stuff flowing downstream and, and, and affecting either drinking water or the health of people in other communities? Again, not to take away from the people in this town, but... This might be a bigger story, right? Absolutely. I have spoken with people in Pennsylvania that don't want to drink their tap water. And they're noticing in their streams that there are no more fish. Um, And so, you know, you see those, the the chemicals have to go somewhere, right? I mean, they're, they're going to continue to go downstream for quite a ways. And it sounds like, you know, all the, all these, uh, I, I think I heard the other day that, uh, that some of the, this hazardous waste was actually tested and found in uh, getting close to Cincinnati. I mean, mm-hmm. that's, that is insane to me. I mean, you're talking 5 million people that rely on, on the mm-hmm. Ohio River alone in that section. I mean, that's, that's crazy. I mean, this is going to be a much bigger issue than just this area. Yeah. You almost get the feeling that this just, I think you and I talked about this the other day, this almost winds up being another... You know, mesothelioma, asbestos, Camp Lejeune water. It's almost like everyone's resigned to that. That's where it has to go. Correct. This is uh, what I have heard the the most from people. Uh, The first day that I got there, it was, this is our Camp Lejeune moment. And... That's such a, a a jarring thing to say. I mean, it. Well, that's giving up. I mean, that's just saying we'll 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 just have to you know let the courts and the and the lawyers sort it out. Right. And when is that going to be? You know, five, ten, fifteen yeah. years. How long did it take for Camp Lejeune to get to this point? 
Yeah, you know, exactly. Decades. Forever. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter, Nick Sortor, S-O-R-T-O-R. Nick, you're doing a great job, and I, I'm a fan of your work, and I appreciate you making time for us today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, we'll talk to you again, I hope. You've been waiting. Monday. You got through it Tuesday. You got through it Wednesday. You started to smell it Thursday. You were right on top of it. And now it's here! It's Friday! It's time to rock and roll! Break out the speakers! Blow your cars into them! Get home, get to your stuff, and get ready to rock because it's Friday! whoa Every night is ladies' night. Unless you're Don Lemon. Jack Riccardi, the dish coming up uh, after six. So I um, I saw where they're going to reboot or remake Starsky and Hutch. Starsky and Hutch, if you don't know, was a TV police show, ran on ABC in the late 70s. It was basically these two guys. Uh, David Soul and Paul Michael Glazer, and they were partners as detectives. And um, they had, like, you know, the buddy chemistry. They had a red Grand Torino with a white stripe. They had this cool theme music. They were chasing down criminals in a fictional city that was obviously Los Angeles, although I think they uh, shot it in San Pedro, but... Uh, so anyway, it, it 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 was a pretty you know it was a pretty good show. It was not my favorite '70s cop show. Uh, for me, that would be Hawaii Five-O. Uh, that's the that's the gold medal show for me. Mannix, gotta have Kojak in there. Gotta have Rockford Files in there. But but I mean, Starsky and Hutch was not too shabby. So I, I'm reading that they're gonna make it. They're gonna they're gonna remake it. But they're gonna put a twist. There has to be a twist. That's the thing about the 21st century. We don't ever restore anything, right? We always reimagine it. The Alamo, Notre Dame Cathedral, Starsky and Hutch. Can't have a remake. So the new Starsky and Hutch, you ready for this? You can probably guess where I'm going with this. Starsky and Hutch will be women. When is a woman in her prime? It says 20s, 30s, and 40s. There'll be women in their prime, to be exact. Don Lemon will like it. Um, I hate to break it to Hollywood and these, uh, you know, Gen Wires that don't seem to have much of a memory, but this has already been done. It was called Cagney and Lacey, which was also not a bad show. Cagney and Lacey was Starsky and Hutch with women. I mean, that's exactly what it was. And we've had a lot of great, there's a lot of great police shows with women. Police Woman with uh, Angie Dickinson. Uh, Prime Suspect with Helen Mirren, CSI. Murder, she wrote. Come on, who was more badass than Angela Lansbury? Man, if you did something wrong in the 80s, Angela Lansbury was on top of you. You were not getting away with it. I don't care who you were or how many times you had been a guest star on the Andy Griffith Show. She had your number. 
And granted, your number was only seven digits because it was the 80s, but she had your number. I'm just saying. Why can't the new Starsky and Hutch be dudes? Any uh, big weekend plans, Mr. Blood? You know, my goal this weekend is to do as little as possible. Mm. Because what's happened is since, see, last weekend was the Super Bowl. That was kind of my last, okay, it's football. As far right. as my wife is concerned, right now there's construction happening on a on a greenhouse. Mm. You know Whoa, what? I, that does sound like a lot of work. Pfft, you know what I know have how to not, build? Have you not mentioned the XFL to her? I'm not the not the. Is it the XFL that's starting up now? Is that that? <laughs> You're trying to kill my marriage. I'm trying to help you here. I'm trying to <laughs> right. put off your greenhouse. Yeah, that's is that what it the, is? Uh, it's the XFL, right? Is it XFL or is or it, USFL? Um, I can't USFL, keep them straight. I think. Hold on, San is it USFL? Antonio, right. it's the Brahmas, correct? The non-NFL is what it is. Yeah, it's just uh, you know what? It's um, XFL. You're right. Yeah. See, okay. that's sad when you're as into football as I am, and even we're not <laughs> we're not positive what league it is. Well, they keep bringing these things back, right? Yeah. I mean, the XFLs had like two or three attempts. The USFL, yeah. there's all this. Uh, there was uh, what was arena football? That was mm-hmm. yeah, AA something. I, I don't know I about you, but I it just seems to me that after six months of the the grind and the mm-hmm. anticipation, the stress mm-hmm. that the NFL brings, and we all love yeah. it. Yeah. But once that's over, yeah. you need sunshine and baseball for a while. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, I'm with that's, you on that. I just don't know that spring football is really where people's mind. Everybody loves football. I I wish them but, well, but yeah, this is an idea that they keep trying. Yep. And you know they're they're ringing that doorbell, mm-hmm. <laughs> but they're not getting a lot of takers anyway. Yep. All right, so we're heading into the weekend. We got the dish coming up after six, and yeah, as uh, as we started to talk about. Um, over in Hollywood, they're uh, they're going to remake the '70s TV uh, detective uh, show Starsky and Hutch, but all they're really keeping is the name because Starsky and Hutch will be women. And and you got to say this, and I'm going to say it: I, I don't have any problem with women on. You know, I, I, there there are plenty of good women detectives and shows centered around women, and now you have all these shows like CSI and uh, Law and Order, all the different Law Law and Order uh, spinoffs, and they've got these big casts that include pivotal, prominent. So I'm, that's all fine. That's all fine. Here's all I'm asking: Could we just restore something for once? I get it, Hollywood. You're out of ideas. You got no original ideas. You're going through the file cabinets. You're going through the old tapes. You're trying to, you're trying to find as much old creativity as you can, drag it out, pump it up, freshen it up, modernize it, wokeify it. I get it. They don't get a lot of original ideas anymore. I understand. But why couldn't Starsky and Hutch just be a couple of guys? Would that be so hard? Is that asking too much? And do you really think like making them women is like a, oh, that's what a sassy, provocative thing to do. Everybody's bored with this enough already. We get it. Yes. For crying out loud, Cagney and Lacey was like 30 years ago. It's not novel anymore. Oh, women as detectives. My gosh, who, whoever would have thought of that? I must tune in this innovative new treatment of the of the genre. I mean, come on. But no. I guess we should count ourselves lucky 
if they're at least not driving an electric car, right? I don't know. Maybe that'll be it too. They'll have a you know they'll have a they'll have a uh, a Tesla instead of a Torino. Um, but it was a, you know it wasn't my favorite '70s show. My favorite '70s cop show by far was Hawaii Five O. I mean, I can't even. It's in a, it's in a league by itself. And technically, I guess you could say it's not. It wasn't all '70s. It started in the late '60s. I think it started in '68 and it ran until '80. But what would be your favorite '70s cop show? What's your favorite? Two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. I mean, you've got a lot. You've got a lot to choose from. All right, you've got you've got Starsky and Hutch. You've got Hawaii Five O. You've got Mannix. Now you want to you want to talk about concussion protocol. I'm telling you, Mannix. No character on television ever took more shots to the head. Almost every episode, he's knocked out cold. Uh, you've got the Rockford Files. You've got the Rookies. You've got Streets of San Francisco. You've got Chips. You've got uh, what else? Cannon. Who? You can't. You can't forget Canon. They won't remake Canon, though. You know. Well, you know what, though? They probably would. They probably remake Canon, but Canon would have been on Golo, and now he'd be like a trim 175. Yeah. Or he'd be a woman. 210 599 5555. All right. Uh, so you got a lot to choose from. You've got Adam 12. You've got Barnaby Jones. What's your favorite 70s police show? 210-599-5555 uh, as we get your votes in the JR poll, too. I don't know. I think Starsky and Hutch would have worked just great if they just, you know, maybe you, br- maybe you bring, I think David Soul and, and Glazer are still alive, so maybe you do like a cameo with them once in a while, but, you know, just they can be, they can be, it's okay for men to be on television. That's all right. 210-599-5555. Robert's on the radio. Robert, good afternoon. Happy Friday. Yes, happy Friday to you too, Jack. Uh, always great to talk to you. So I, so I said Adam Twelve would be my uh, favorite uh, Stephanie's, uh, I guess, cop drama. Um, right. But I, but but I was going to comment quickly. Why don't if they're going to do that uh, with Starsky and Hutch? Why not have like Kami and Lacey as two guys or two gays? <laughs> Just kind of go that route, and you know, the, you know right? So they're men; it'll satisfy. Argument, uh, but you know, but I'm I, with you on that. Why? I hate, Why? I hate, I hate to say it, Robert, but you, that'll probably happen. That'll probably happen. We'll have like Cagney well, and Lacey will be drag queens. That'll that'll probably oh that'll God. probably happen. <laughs> just just give it a couple of years. You're probably just a little bit ahead of your time on that, Robert. Thanks for the call. So Robert says Adam twelve two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. Or you can uh, shoot me an email, Jack at ktsa dot com. Walter says Barney Miller. Uh, uh, Eddie says, uh, police story. Yeah, police story was a big one. Um, you had police woman, police story, at Charlie's Angels. All right. Favorite 70s detective or police show? What would it be? Sandra's on KTSA. What would be yours, Sandra? I was Starsky and Hutch, and I just had to have Starsky's sweater, you know, one Christmas, or I was just going to die. But that was my, that was my favorite. Does it make sense to you that they would change them into women? No, not at all. 
I mean, I, can't we just keep anything the way it was? Is there is there nothing the 21st century won't ruin? I, I don't know what they haven't ruined already, and they keep remaking stuff, and it just yeah. bombs all the time. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. All right, so Starsky, votes for Starsky and Hutch from Sandra. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was a good show. I, I loved that car. Um, it seemed like an odd choice for, for a police car because if you're going undercover, you probably wouldn't drive a, a, a tomato red Gran Torino with a white stripe on it. But again, that's television, right? Uh, so we're talking about your favorite 70s police show. It can be police officers it can be a detective it can be a private detective uh any or all that uh ran during the 70s uh what was your favorite and uh getting a lot of mentions of uh adam 12 getting a lot of mentions of kojak that's definitely in my top five loved kojak um i mean i don't know i guess kojak ran into the 80s but i i definitely associate that as a 70s uh, show. So as long as it was on for some part of the 70s, we'll count it. Uh, 210-599-5555. Eric is on KTSA. Eric, happy Friday. Happy Friday to you, too. Uh, I wanted to call in and uh, say my favorite 70s uh, police program was Beretta with Robert Beretta. Blake. With that great yes. Sammy Davis theme song. And uh, who could forget the famous pimped rooster? <laughs> well, you, remember the, what do you have on? A, what do you had a parrot or something, right? Yeah, Lala the the uh, cockatoo. A cockatoo, okay. And he had all those yeah, little like catchphrases. He had all those th- little funny little things. He'd say, you know, don't do the crime if you can't do the time or whatever, right? He had all these like these hipster uh, sayings and. Yeah, he was uh he was in a kind of he was kind of in his own world, wasn't he? Robert Blake. He was. He was. It was kind of like he was almost like uh, a hips it was like he was the anti-cop, right? Like he was the <laughs> two two you know, he was like you know, if Reed and Malloy are on one end of the spectrum, then like Beretta is on the other end of the spectrum, right? And everybody else is in it's between right. somewhere. Yeah, no, that's the yeah. funny thing about Robert Blake. That's a great choice. Of course, all anybody is ever going to remember now about Robert Blake was the Robert Blake murder trial. And I remember how bizarre that was. I don't know if you remember, but he, this was many years later. He had taken a woman out to dinner and went back into the restaurant, he said, to get something. And she was shot to death in the, in his car, sitting in his car. And he was uh, charged with her uh, murder, as was another guy that he was hooked up with uh, somehow. And there was apparently uh, some evidence that he had a, uh, had plotted against her or had tried to get someone uh, to kill her. So anyway, he, he wound up being charged uh, with murder. But one of the things that, that probably saved him... Um, and he was ultimately acquitted. But, but, but that murder happened right before 9-11. And if you remember 9-11, that was like taking a giant eraser to the chalkboard. You know, remember that uh, intern that went missing in Washington, D.C.? I can't think of her name. Don, you'll probably remember it. Um, that happened right before. Remember, she was hooked up with a congressman, and they think he killed her and hit her body. 
That happened right before 9-11. Robert Blake happened right before 9-11. And once 9-11 happened, for, for quite a while, nothing else could really be in the news. So his trial wound up happening after 9-11, and I think it was kind of anticlimactic. What was her? Chandra Levy was her name, right? Does that sound right? I think it was. 210-599. Thanks for the help, Don. 210-599-5555. Your favorite 70s cop show. So Beretta gets a vote. And Joe is on KTSA. Hi, Joe. Hi. Hi, Jack. Um, Well, I was a cop for 30 years. And uh, most of my cop friends agree that Adam 12 was our favorite and inspired us. It was accurate. Yeah, is accurate. So, were you, were you, how old were you when you were watching it? She's uh, probably 16, 17, 18. Okay. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah, it, that had to be a great recruitment, right? Because those guys were straight right. arrow and they were, they were just, right. they were cool, but they were totally straight arrow. And, and, and do you, as a, as a former police officer, do you feel that that was, you feel it was accurate? Oh, very much so. I mean, they hardly got any shootings, right? Right. And, you know, it's a lot of humor, a lot, sometimes boring. Um, well, it showed them doing, know, like, the routine stuff. Like, I remember they'd right, have to, like, right. take care of the car. And, right. you know, you'd see them, like, doing yeah. stuff that on other shows, I think they just didn't bother to depict, right? Right. And all, right. And all cops, they start out in patrol. You know? Yeah. Many yeah. of us do did patrol for 30 years, you know, or... They weren't detectives or all the time, so And yeah. I think the first episode was when Reed was it was his first day, right? I think so, yeah. And then at the end of the series, the way they ended the series, I believe, if I remember correctly, was Malloy was retiring. Yes, yes. So I you had that nice yeah. like bookends, yeah. you know, one guy's starting, yeah, one guy's you know, leaving. It was made by it was made by Jack Webb. Yes. Did Dragnet and you know to this day, they retired his badge in LAPD. Yeah. yeah. Of, uh, those two shows. Yeah. I'll tell you something fun that I learned about that show a few years ago. I don't know if you knew this or not. The the dispatcher, the woman that you hear saying one Adam twelve and and putting out the calls, that was an actual LAPD dispatcher. They felt it would be more authentic to use yeah. somebody who did it than an actress. I thought right. that was very cool. Right, and they used all the California accurate codes. And yeah, way yeah. cops talk, and it's just it was it was our thing. Yeah, yeah. There you go. That's a great that's a great story that it inspired you uh, to a career, Joe. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. And thanks for what you do. Um, let's see. David is on KTSA. Hi, David. Hey, Jack. Thanks, Jack. Uh, the only reason I'm bringing him up because uh, me and my wife saw we have a Romance in the Stone uh, tape that we like. That's a funny movie. Michael Douglas in uh, Streets of San Francisco. That's, that's oh, the guy. Yeah. I, I, I uh, I, I like that guy, man. I like Michael. Douglas. Carl Malden, cool. yeah, Carl Malden and Michael, a very young Michael Douglas. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, I, I, he's, he's a... <laughs> I, I, to me, well, that you. was like, um, that was that was kind of like a, a, a another version of the Starsky and Hutch thing, where part of the show was about their chemistry. Like, you know, Carl Malden did not like Michael Douglas at first, and Michael Douglas, of course, <laughs> had no use for this old stick in the mud Carl Malden but part of what made that show interesting was the way they you know played off against one another I think I think those kinds of buddy shows are some of the best 
some of the best cop shows you can have. Almost every detective has to have some kind of foil, right? So, David, great one. Streets of San Francisco. We're going back to the 70s. We're looking for your favorite cop show from that era. Maybe you date back to that era, or maybe you've caught up on these shows on MeTV or one of those, uh, you know, you, 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 you now know about it from reruns or streaming or whatever. But if you've got a favorite, as long as it ran during some part of the 70s, 210 599 5555. If you think about it, all these 70s shows had like a, a formula. So you have like the main detective, right? Jim Rockford, right? Lieutenant Kojak, right? Mannix. But then you got to have, he always has like a stern, exasperated, straight man. Like if he is a, a police officer, then it's his superior. Like Kojak had that, that captain that was always having an ulcer. Uh, if you're Rockford, if you're a private detective, then you've got, you know, Dennis, as he called him, the, the police officer that he had to kind of work with or rely on. And then you always have to have kind of a hippy dippy, informant or sidekick like rockford had angel and starsky and hutch had huggy bear and so you gotta uh you know dantana on vegas had the 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 dippy uh showgirl uh played by judy landers beautiful judy judy landers so you know you have like that you gotta have like that trio of main characters there's always the the main detective the exasperated superior and the sort of you know Alt personality, sidekick, foil, comic relief. 210 599 5555. And Patty is on KTSA. Favorite 70s cop show, Patty. Yeah, you already said it was uh, Vegas, Dan Hanson Tanner. <sighs> Dan Tanner, yes. What a name. I even like his name. I mean, come on. What a name. Dan Tanner. Aren't you too? Um, yeah, that was a, that was a great show. You got to see a lot of Las Vegas. They, they shot a lot of it on, on, uh, you know, on site, I guess. And, um, yeah, no, did you, did you like the other show that Robert Urich did after that? He did a show in the eighties called Spencer. Did you ever get to see that? No, no, I got married and had kids, so I didn't even pay attention anymore. Oh, well, you weren't, you, you weren't allowed to, you weren't allowed to watch television after you got married or what? Yeah, I got kids. I was running her kids around doing stuff. I oh, okay. Yeah, it does keep you busy, I have to yeah. admit. All right. Well, I'm glad you mentioned Vegas. That is one we might have gotten by without mentioning. So thank you, Patty. That's a good one. Robert Urich and Vegas. Uh, 210-599-5555. Kara is on KTSA. Hi, Kara. Hi. I was going to say back in PI, but apparently that's 80s. I think that's 80s, yeah. Yeah, because I think that came on right when Hawaii Five O went off. I think it was the successor to Hawaii Five O. I mean, Tom Selleck, come on! I, no argument for me. Yeah. Oh. Um. Yeah. No, that was a good. Now, have you ever watched the? I know there's a remake of it. Have you ever watched that? Is that any good? No, I have not. I'm I'm like the lady before me, Patty. I I have kids. I don't have time for TV now. Oh, okay. Like all these people that stopped watching TV when they had kids. All right. Kara, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. All right. Yeah, no, a Magnum would just fall outside the, the range. We'll have to use that when we do 80s shows. Uh, Roland is on KTSA, Jack Riccardi Show. Hi, Roland. Hey, how's it going, Jack? My favorite was Kojak. Hey, Roland. Yes. Hey, Kojak. 
Definitely. You know, not only was he great, I mean, Telly Savalas was so good, but I just loved all those guys in the squad room and all the other characters. It was so good. Yeah, Kevin, Kevin Dobson, you know, was one of the characters, and, and uh, his brother, actually, George Savalas, was on the show as well. Yes, and, that's uh, right. That's right. I just love the fact the lollipop, the, the Ray-Bans, yep. the fedora hat, with the trench coat. I mean, he was so cool, you know, it didn't matter what, what, what victim or what crime happened. He was just like, okay, five guys dead, what happened, you know? That was I mean, everybody else in the squad room looks, you know, they look like an unmade bed, and he always had those designer clothes on. <laughs> he looked so sharp. The little skinny, yeah. uh, cigarillo, right? And, or he had the, yeah. or he had the lollipop. And remember, what was his catchphrase? What did he always say? I, I can't remember what he said. I know he was so cool about it, you know. Yeah. I, you can refresh my memory on it, but. Um, who loves yeah, you, baby? So yeah, who, that's right. <laughs> you know, yeah, and you know what's crazy? I, you were talking about these I was thinking they were all rated number one at some point when their yeah. shows were on the certain time slots. Yeah. You know? yeah. Another another one, if I could shout it out real quick, was sure. Cannon. I loved yeah. Cannon. The great yeah. William Conrad. Now, for folks that haven't seen Cannon, Roland, because th- that's probably, you and I are a little, probably go a little deeper than a lot of other people. What was different yeah. about Cannon? Well, Cannon was the heavyweight guy. I mean, he was. I mean, he could yeah. barely walk around, you know. And he, and he was, he was so a heavy. very heavy man. Yeah. Yeah. Not a lot yeah, of foot chases. That, Not a lot of foot chases know, in Cannon. He actually looked like Orson Welles with black hair. Kind of did, yeah, kind of did. Yeah. Uh, he was played by William Conrad. He was a private detective. Uh, what I always loved yeah. about the the script writers for Cannon was. They would always give him these romantic, you know, like if he had a, a female client. She would right. fall in love with him. And I'm like, come on. I mean, I don't mean to be cruel, but, you know, <laughs> you know, Karen Valentine is in love with them, and Shelley Fabray is in love with them. I'm like, come on. They can do better than this. Yeah, if you walked into a bar, it wouldn't be exactly like it, the heads would be. Oh, the women were falling all over him in the show. Yeah, no. I mean, but maybe, you know, maybe he had a nice personality. You know, he did have a nice personality. I, I but, yeah, that was a. That was a very long-running show, Cannon. Very good one. Yeah. Two good ones. Uh, Roland had Kojak and Cannon. Roland has good taste. 210-599-5555. So we're talking about your favorite uh, 70s uh, police show or detective show. Could be a private detective uh, that ran or overlapped into, in some way, uh, the 70s. Getting a lot of mentions for uh, Adam-12 and Kojak. And um, what about um, why? Are, I guess I would have thought maybe more on Columbo. I always loved the way with Columbo he had that that thing where he lulled the bad guy into thinking he or she was getting away with it because they always figured he was dumb. You know, he looked kind of disheveled and confused. You know, he he always looked a little bit dazed. Right, Peter Falk playing Columbo. And you know, with the raincoat and, and 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 he would be disorganized and he had that catchphrase, which was, Oh, one more thing. And when he said one more thing, you were dead. Because the one more thing was always going to be the question that proved he knew you had did it did, did it. He knew when you had did it, how you did it. He had you dead to rights. So the minute he gave you the oh, uh, excuse me, one more thing. Forget about it. Start packing for the big house, right? Gotta love Columbo. 210-599-5555, and Charles is on KTSA. Hi, Charles. I got one for you, Chester. Win 100 years into the future. 
Rochester from Gunsmoke, and he became Marshal Sam McLeod, <laughs> U.S. Marshal. That's right. Wasn't the opening credit on that show that he was riding a horse, like, over the Brooklyn Bridge or something? Yeah. Yes, he was. Something, something crazy street, like that, right? the street. Yeah. Yeah, he used to drive the Chief crazy, you know? That was a great... You're right, I forgot about that. That was a great show. I loved him. And um, you probably couldn't. You probably couldn't do that now. Now they would, you know. Now they would say, "Oh, that's too unrealistic," or whatever. But yeah, that was a great. That was a great concept with the horse and the cowboy hat. He's in New York City, definitely McLeod. All right, two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. Is it is it Keel? Am I saying that right? Yeah, yeah, that's correct. Keel. Hi, Keel. Yeah, I was doing a fun show. Hey, this one ran from sixty eight to seventy two. Uh, thinking of some hippie cops, um, starred Peggy Lipton. Mm. What show was that? You remember that one? Mod Squad. Yeah, they were hippie cops. Oh, man, I had such a crush on Peggy Lipton. Yeah, much. <laughs> I mean, she was the, was she not the girl next door? I mean, she was just, she didn't really look glamorous. She just looked beautiful, right? Yeah. She just uh, what passed away in 2019. I, I think believe. she did. Yeah, I think you're right. But man, I would have confessed to things I didn't even do if Peggy Lipton was questioning me. I mean, you know, I want to make her happy. Yeah, Mod Squad was a good show. I forget what was the premise. Were they supposed to be like undercover as like young people, or what was the deal there? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. But at the same time, you'd mentioned like who was their supervisor? Who kind of who they report to? I don't remember who that person was. Yeah, I feel like there must have been somebody. Maybe somebody will tell us because I, I, I was sort of on the tail end of that. Like that was, that was already a rerun when I started to watch it because of my age. But yeah, I think you're right. Like late sixties to early seventies, the mod squad. Uh, we'll be talking restaurants and the dish coming up after six. And we're talking about your favorite seventies police show or detective show. Uh, what is your favorite? Now I did look it up. The mod squad premise was that a police captain recruited hippie cops to infiltrate the counterculture. And they all had like a backstory. So like the the Peggy Lipton character, she was a I think she had been a hooker. And uh the Clarence Williams character, Link, but he loved Link. Love that name, right? Um he he had had uh, like a you know hard life in the ghetto and then uh the other guy was from a rich family. So the the idea was that they were types of people you would find in the counterculture and they infiltrated and, you know, blended in and always risked exposure. And of course, if they had been exposed as cops, they might have been killed. And that was the premise of the mod squad. But yeah, they had like a, like a rabbi, a police lieutenant that was like their, you know, their go-to guy. 210-599-5555 as we talk about your favorite and Grant is on the radio. Hi, Grant. Hey, Jack. Let's see. Let's talk. How about Quincy Medical Examiner? Quincy oh Quincy. yes, Jack Klugman as a as Jack a medical Klugman. examiner. Yes. Yeah. That you know what's funny about really that show was that remember he had that uh, the guy that worked with him, Sam. Yes, the Asian guy. Yeah, Sam. Uh, Sam yeah. had to stay in the lab and do all the work. Quincy got to go out, drive around in that black station wagon, be with you know glamorous stars and beautiful women and. All the danger, all the intrigue. Sam's back there with the test tubes and the Bunsen burner. No, like no glory for Sam, right? 
That's correct. He always had to go ask permission to do stuff from the right. director. Yeah, and he was like always there, middle of the night, days, weekends. Sam was always on duty. Yeah. No, that was a great show. That was, that was a great and it was show. so funny to see Jack Klugman, who we remembered from The Odd Couple, you know, going from that, that character role, to being yeah. a, a scientist. Correct. Yes, I thought that was a very big transition for him. <laughs> but that was a good All show, right. and I had never, I had never, as a kid watching that, I had never seen anything that depicted, you know, coroner work and all of that. I mean, that was really way ahead of its time because now we have CSI and all these shows that, that talk about the science of solving a crime. But I think Quincy might have been the first one. I think so. So that's a, that's a great choice, Grant. Yeah, ran in the late 70s and early 80s. Quincy M.D. Kent is on the radio. Hi, Kent. Happy Friday. Hey, how are you, Jack? Good, thank you. How are you? I'm great. Well, I'd called in about Kojak, but it got me thinking. Y'all have already talked about them. How about Charlie's Angels? Mm. I mean, How about Charlie's a different Angels? kind of detective show, right? Yes. And uh, I loved how they would always get their, uh, they would always talk to that guy on the speakerphone. I forget yeah. his name, but you know, the guy that, the guy that ran their operation, he was always on that speaker. It's like, where, where is he? Nobody knows. Yeah, he's always on the phone, Bosley but he's never there. Their go-between. Yeah, Bosley was the guy that connected Bosley, them to the mystery that's man. that's right, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I love Charlie's Angels. Also, a quick word for Policewoman with Andy Dickinson. Yes, yep, yep. Uh, that was man, very good. It was, was new ground for the, the women of the 70s. There you go. I guess if they remake Policewoman, it'll be a man, right? <laughs> Got to do it. That's the, that's the rule in the 21st century. All right, Kent, thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, if you missed earlier, we were talking about the fact that Starsky and Hutch is going to be rebooted or reimagined where the two detectives who are partners are women. And, you know, I've had more email today from women who hate this idea than I have had from men. I don't think we've had, I don't think I've had anybody that liked it. But women are like, we don't need this. <laughs> this is not necessary. That show works as two guys, two dudes. That's what it should be. 210-599-5555. Uh, Mario is on the radio. Hey, Mario, happy Friday. Happy Friday. How are you, Jack? I'm good, sir. How you doing? Doing great. How about Ironside with Raymond Burr? Oh, man, I love that show. That was, that was the, the show he did right after Perry Mason. Pregnancy. Right after Perry Mason went off the air, he came back and did Ironside. Yeah. Right. Remember, he used to be in a wheelchair, I believe. Well, you know, it's funny because as kids, we thought he really was in a wheelchair because the character right. was in a wheelchair. And then when we would see reruns on Perry Mason, we'd be like, oh, wait a minute, Ironsides can walk. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's kind of confusing, you know? Do you right, remember why exactly. he was in the wheelchair? Do you remember that? I I don't remember that part, but I always wonder. Hey, this guy's pretty good. You know, he does good crime work. Should be in a wheelchair. Yeah. You know. Yeah, he was the he was the police chief of San Francisco in the show, and they would right. always depict in the opening credits he was the victim of an assassination attempt, and oh, somebody had okay, tried to kill okay. him. Well, I'm glad you and they, my mind there, but and they wound up paralyzing him. But but remember, he had those young detectives that worked under him and did like all the running around and leg work and exactly. so forth. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, that was they a, would do the work that he couldn't do, but he was right. a good character though. 
It was a terrific show, and and Quincy Jones yeah. did the theme music for that, which was awesome. Yeah, that's a good choice, yeah. Mario. I'm glad you brought up Ironside. Yeah, uh, all of these shows, the by the way, are still out there. They're still they're still streaming. They're still uh, you can still watch them either on the rerun channels or find them on YouTube and other places. So if you've if you've gotten some ideas and we've triggered your your nostalgia for these shows, they're all still around. Well, here we go, into the weekend, but before we get there, our final stop of the week on this show is The Dish. In this hour of the show, we take your calls to talk about your most recent restaurant experience. That can be in the city of San Antonio, that can be anywhere around San Antonio or South Texas, all right, it can be any kind of restaurant. It could be a chain restaurant. It could be an independent mom-and-pop place. It can be any kind of cuisine, any kind of price. You might have had dinner there, lunch there, breakfast. Maybe you got it to go. Maybe you drove through. But whatever the, whatever the case, I want to hear about your most recent restaurant experience, 210-599-5555, and you can praise or zing. Give criticism, man. Give me a break, man, he said. The problem is we've been giving him a break. You just stop giving him a break. Give me right, so That's a very short zing, Don. I feel like we got short change there. Um, all right, praise or zing, any restaurant in and around San Antonio, 210-599-5555. And if it's easier for you to email me, you can shoot me an email, jack at ktsa.com. We'll do that. Um Lillian wrote to me and said, I don't know if anybody's ever called you about this particular place, but one of my favorite burger places is Mr. Juicy. Uh, she says it's on McCullough and Hildebrandt, right on the corner across from Jim's next to the original Taco Cabana. The menu is very simple. Burgers, fries, shakes, and chicken sandwiches. The burger has an outstanding sauce that's to die for, says Lillian. Now, I will say, Lillian, we, we have had a couple of calls about Mr. Juicy. The one that we've had calls about, though, is on San Pedro. So I don't know if that's another one or if that's the one you're describing. You're saying yours is on McCullough and Hildebrand, but this one is on San Pedro and Hildebrand. But, yeah, Mr. Juicy uh, calls in uh, December of 2021 and also last month. Everybody loving those burgers. All right, 210-599-5555 on the dish. You can praise or zing your most recent Restaurant experience, whatever that is. I see that McDonald's is planning on um, rolling out some more um, plant-based food. They've been selling a McPlant burger at certain select McDonald's for a couple of years, and now they're going to do chicken-free McNuggets. I guess you can't call them chicken McNuggets. Or I guess if you call them chicken McNuggets, you got to put like quotes around the chicken, you know. <laughs> I was never too sure there was real chicken in those McNuggets to begin with, so I'm not sure how big a how big an adjustment this is. But they're going to do plant based McNuggets. How's that grab you? How hungry would you have to be for that? I noticed in the article I was reading <clears throat> that a lot of this stuff that they're trying, they're testing. In Europe, 
and that European customers are much more open to this, so they say, so the article says, uh, than we are. And, um, you know, I, I don't want to sound like the ugly American here, but can I just make a point? If Europeans want this stuff, if they want to eat, you know, synthetic McNuggets and plant-based burgers, I say let's ship all the ones we can ship over there. Get, let them have them. And we'll, we'll stick with the beef here because that's what we do. You know, we're the country that saves the world and defends democracy, and we need our beef. But if you guys own Europe and you want to have all your meetings and your, you know, um, <laughs> your European Union and be very laid back, you want to do your soft socialism, you can do it with plant-based food. That's fine. We require beef to be the United States of America. Just saying. Not saying, just saying. Maybe that's the answer here, you know. Give them what they want. 210-599-5555. All right, we're talking restaurants on the dish, and Robert is next on the radio on KTSA. Robert, happy Friday. Thank you. Uh, I just want to mention that Three Rivers, Texas, uh, Live Oak Restaurant. Live uh, Oak Restaurant. Tell me about it. Oh, well, uh, chicken fried steak is a big one. It's the best one I've ever eaten. And uh-huh. uh, uh, liver and onions, everything is good. they got everything good. Uh, uh, but, you know, uh, it's hard to find. It's on 281. It's on 281. It's the last restaurant going out like you're going through George, through George West. Uh, okay. I eat there all the time that I go there. I go there. I'm headed over there right now. And, uh, you're on your way there great. now. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so it's when great. you get right. off the uh, when you get off the uh, the highway, uh, which, do you remember which exit it is? Or uh, after seventy two, after, after Highway seventy two, but it's on two eighty one. You know, you go to uh, uh, thirty seven. Then turn right on 281, like you're going down right. to the valley. Okay. Uh, just be careful because uh, they're in, uh, how they keep their uh, their town uh, with any money is uh, speed traps. So just follow <laughs> the signs, and you'll be all right. Okay. All right. And you <laughs> it, said try the chicken back. fried That's, steak when you go there. Oh my God, it's big! I thought I had eaten that at, at, over at the Iron Skillet years ago, but mm. and they used to have the uh, real good uh, uh, chicken fried steak. But this one, I'm telling you, it's great. All right, Live Oak Restaurant and Sports Grill is what Robert is calling about. Its uh, actual physical address is 305 South Harborth Avenue in Three Rivers, Texas. So you would get to it off of uh, 281 South, 305 South Harborth Avenue in Three Rivers, Live Oak Restaurant and Sports Grill. First call on the dish. It's the dish on a Friday night, so we're talking about restaurants in and around San Antonio. In your experience, you can praise or zing your most recent restaurant experience. You can also shoot me an email, uh, jack at ktsa.com. And uh, if that's easier for you, like Norma just uh, dropped me a line to say, praise for Royal Inn Oriental Cuisine, 5440 Babcock, medium, great service. And I'm not sure what the medium is. Uh, Great. Great service and price. My friend had lemon chicken, and I had amazing combo noodles, uh, lots of vegetables in the soup. Uh, so praise for Royal Inn. Yes, yeah, I have it as Royal Inn Oriental Cuisine. That's that's the way it was called into us uh, last August. That caller mentioned um, some dishes too: asparagus chicken, pineapple chicken, spring rolls. So fifty four forty Babcock for Royal Inn. 
210-599-5555. And Jackie is on the dish on KTSA. Happy Friday night, Jackie. Hi, how are you? Let me check. I'm good, thank you. <laughs> good, I'm glad. I always enjoy your program. I listen to it as thank often you. as I can. Thank um, you. I stopped in at Bill Miller at um, Boulevardy Road in 281 just a few minutes ago. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, doing the drive-through thing. So, uh, but the person at the uh, that I made my order, that one was really polite and got it all right the first time around. Mm-hmm. And I got up to the checkout, and I mean, he was just great. I got home, and the food is just, everything is right. <laughs> so, oh, good. <laughs> so I thought I would just put that in, because I know there's a lot of times that people say that, you know, they didn't get stuff, so. I'm glad but to hear that, because, good. yeah, we do get, we get a lot of, we get a lot of zings for Bill Miller's, and I don't know if it's different locations, or do you always go to that particular one, or? Most of the time, I live out yeah. this direction, so mm-hmm. uh, you know I'll stop by there on the way home. But um, uh, I, but the other ones that I've eaten out, I've, I've never had a problem with them, so I'm always mm-hmm. surprised. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, well, uh, m- maybe we should just when we're going to go to Bill Miller's, we should just go with you. Yeah, that would be good. They, That'd be fun. They take they <laughs> take care of Jackie. Jackie gets what Jackie orders, so we want to be in the do. car they with Jackie. Good job. All right. Well, thank you for the call, Jack. You have a good weekend, and thank you for calling our show. Uh, praise for Bill Miller's on Bilberti and 281. Getting things right. Uh, 210-599-5555 or jack at ktsa.com. Arlen uh, just uh, dropped a line at ktsa.com with a shout-out for a place we do get a lot of calls about, Catalano's Pizzeria in Cibolo. A lot of calls for Catalano's. Arlen says, uh, great lunch specials, great food, awesome customer service, always my go-to when I'm in town, uh, says Arlen. We've been getting calls on Catalano's going back to March of 2016, uh, praise for their lunch buffet, uh, a lot of, a lot of mentions of that, uh, even people saying, hey, they're great with takeout, they always get it right, the, the food is always hot and well packaged, uh, praise for the chicken parmesan salad, um, and other things. So 102 North Main in Cibolo, Catalano's Pizzeria, 102 North Main in Cibolo. And Hilda is on the dish on a Friday night on KTSA. Hello, Hilda. Hi, Jack. Uh, I want to give a praise to Bangkok 54 Thai mm. Cuisine. Mm-hmm. After I heard it on your show, I believe last week or the week before, Mm-hmm. And I loved it. Uh, I I have my regular Thai place that I go to, and I like it. But it was nice to see this one because it was a little bit different. The atmosphere is nice. The place, the core, the seating, everything is so lovely. Um, I don't know how to describe it, but it's it's a very nice place. And mm-hmm. what I had was the uh, I usually go for the the fried rice, either the basil or the pineapple. So I went for lunch, and the only for lunch they had the lunch special was was with the chicken fried the chicken basil fried rice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, they have the pineapple too, but they didn't have it on a luncheon special. Okay. And I enjoyed it. And um, 
we're all when I go out to eat, I always mention it to my other two friends that we go out that I go out with. So mm-hmm. that's another place that I'm gonna, you know, have to um share with them. Oh, but okay. So you it. tried it out first and now you're gonna share it with them. Yes. And Very that's the nice. way I find out I, I that's yeah. the way I find out places when I go eat out, then we'll get together. Yeah. And, and, See, that's nice. I just drag my friends to places. I just drag them to it, whether they're, you know, I don't know if they're going to like it or not. We just, we take a chance. But uh, that, that's nice that you kind of scout it out first. And I do like well, that fried only rice. Because, only because we don't get together that often. That's right. why. Right. That's so, good. Well, I'm glad you like Bangkok and, 54. And I, I thank y'all because y'all mentioned it and because y'all did. That's how I learned about it. That's what we're here for. That's the you you got it. Thank you so much, Hilda. You take good care. Have a You're good welcome. weekend. I hope you'll call me again when you try another place. And yeah, this is another one. A lot of calls. Many many calls going back about about fourteen or fifteen years. Bangkok fifty four. It's twenty five fifteen Nacogdoches about a block north of 410. If you're going up Nacogdoches from 410, it's on the left. Bangkok 54, name of the restaurant. Uh, 210-599-5555, praise or zing, your most recent restaurant experience on the dish, like Michael is going to do right now. Happy Friday night, Michael. Yes, happy Friday. Yeah, uh, Nikki's Tokyo Inn. It's near uh, Hildebrand and I-10. It's a mm. sushi restaurant. You go in, you take off your shoes. You sit down on the floor. Uh, they're only open, I think, 5.30 to 10.30 at night. Uh, great place. I actually went to my high school prom there in uh, 1991, and they're still open. Been there forever. I was going to say, it's been, there, it's been there a long, long time, right? Yes, it has. It's a, I can't believe it's the only place in San Antonio like that. Nowhere else can you go in, take off your shoes, sit down. They bring out hot towels, or you can you know, clean off your face and your hands and Mm-hmm. A really enjoyable experience. What is your go-to thing, or what is something people should get the first time that they go? I haven't been in quite a few years. I, I've now lived out in the hill country, and I keep talking to the wife about going. It's just such a long drive. But uh, I would get the sushi sampler, and they give you a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, they also, I mean, they make really good. Uh, they do uh, tempura dish, where they do vegetables and shrimp. But, I mean, it's just an experience, you know, going in, taking off your shoes, yeah. sitting on the floor yeah. with a bunch of pillows, yeah. uh, really intimate. Yeah, really, it, it is. It's a, very, it's a very cool experience. I mean, there's, there's a lot of Japanese restaurants, but like you said, this is the one where you feel like you really, you really took a trip. You really, you really left the country, yeah. so it's a good one. I'm glad you called, Michael. Have a good night, sir. Have a good weekend. Praise for Nikki's. Tokyo Inn, N-I-K-I, Nikki's Tokyo Inn, 819 West Hildebrand. On the dish. It's been quite a while since we had a call about Nikki's Tokyo Inn. That's the beauty of the dish. Even if you're, even if you're calling about a place we've had calls about before, I want to hear your story. I want to hear what you had, what happened for you, what you liked, or what went wrong, or whatever it might be. Praise or zing. 210-599-5555 on the dish. And Steve is next on the radio. Happy Friday night, Steve. Always a pleasure, Jack. Happy Friday to you. Um, I, I stay up in Kerrville from time to time um, on business, and usually I, I stay at the end of the hills up there on um, Junction Highway, which mm-hmm. is uh, also known as Highway 27. Well, across the parking lot is this Japanese restaurant, since we seem to be on that theme a bit tonight. It's called Saki, S-A-K-E, 
And I'm telling you, they're, they're, it's just amazing. I don't think you could get better uh, sushi <laughs> or sashimi in Japan. It's that good. And wow. surprisingly, I went and looked uh, just before I got on the show here. I had never gone to their site, but it's always a go-to place when I'm up there. And they have 370 reviews on there with a 4.5 rating. And like the three they had that were ones or twos are trivial. I'm telling mm-hmm. you, if you're up in Kerrville, it's right there on the Junction Highway. I think it's 845. I don't know. I'm always walking over there across from the hotel. Mm-hmm. But Yeah, it looks like it's 845 uh, Junction Highway uh, in Kerrville. Yeah. 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 What is your favorite thing to get there? What do you recommend? Well, well, the last time I was there, I, I really I wanted a bunch of sashimi. And I got to talking to the, to the owner, and he says, well, we've got a real deal for you here. What you want to get... It's a, it's a little bit more of a combination. So they put in this big giant gobbler, all the sashimi with the shredded red, uh, uh, a ca- a shredded cabbage, uh, not cabbage but radish, and then down below it's a whole selection of your typical um, uh, 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 sushi. I forget what else was on there, mm-hmm. but I mean I'm telling you, it was it was like thirty six bucks, and I never eat that much, and I didn't leave a scrap except for a few pieces of the radish. Right. So all I can say, Jack. Um, and they've got some other stuff on there that's pretty good too. Um, the service is great. The crabby rolls are good. Every there's nothing bad there. But yeah. I was. No, I'm looking at the menu. It's a huge menu. They do they do have a lot. You're right. And and all I can say is, if you ever get up that way, book them, Dano. <laughs> right. I like that. I like the Hawaii Five O reference. I like the fact that we're talking about sushi in the Hill Country. Who would have thunk it? Uh, Steve, have a great weekend, sir. Good to hear from you always. And Saki is the name of the restaurant. Uh, it's 845 Junction Highway in Kerrville. Into the night, into the weekend. Hope you get some fun things planned. You know me, it's going to be crazy. Off the hook. Mighty, I, I, I may be going to my favorite night spot tonight. H-E-B, yep. I'll look for you. Uh, 210-599-5555. I saw this on uh, Facebook today. When we're young, we sneak out of our homes to go to parties. When we're old... We sneak out of parties to go home. Yep. So we're talking restaurants. It's the dish. Your call to praise or zing a recent restaurant experience. And we'll have the results on our JR poll question coming up this half hour as well. 210-599-5555. Kevin, happy Friday night. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me. What do you got for us? Tardif. French restaurant, I-10 at Leon Springs. Hmm. Tell me about it. Well, wife and I went there just a few weekends ago, and uh, service was impeccable, food was to die for, and I just had a great time there. What What is something good to get there or something you had that you really liked? Well, I had, um, as an appetizer, duck confit. As a entree, I had the braised 
beef rib. Mm. And for dessert, I had banana bread bread pudding. Wow. That yeah. all sounds amazing. It was fantastic. The wife had uh, for her appetizer the uh, grilled, um, oh, I'm going to lose the word, the duck liver. Um, oh, Like pate uh, or? You, uh, no, it was the um, fragois. There you go. Okay. It was grilled fragois. Okay. And she had a duck, duck marquee. Uh, appetite uh, entree, along with a a pear, almost like a cobbler or a tart, so to speak. Hmm. What exactly is confit? When you you mentioned the duck confit, what exactly is confit? It was um kind of unique the way they did it. It was uh duck meat that was deboned. And they served it in a little uh, mini mason jar. Hmm. And it was served with little uh, cuts of uh, sort of like crouton, hard bread. Mm-hmm. And uh, you just wiped it on the bread and chow down. Hmm. Very nice. You know, so I'm looking at the know, pictures. And, and, this looks like a... I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Go ahead. But, you know, in, in, I don't know about you, but I'm somewhat of a messy eater when I start dealing with bread at the table and so forth. We could not leave a crumb on the table to service. It was so great. <laughs> wow, that's nice. That's nice. I, yeah. I was looking at the pictures of the dining room. It looks like a very nice, kind of really uh, special occasion kind of uh, it, kind of place. It was. It was the wife's birthday, so we decided mm-hmm. to spring for it. So, yeah, nice. glad we did. Can't wait to go back. You know, one of their yeah. signature just dishes, which we did not have yet, is the grilled, I'm sorry, fried Mediterranean snapper. And uh, I just can't wait to go back and try that. That does sound good. And uh, it looks like it's 23110 West Interstate 10. What What is it near or what's a landmark that would help people find it? It is right next to the New Texas Roadhouse Cafe. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. Tardiff's American Brasserie, 23110 West IH10, uh, up on the far northwest side of san antonio kevin you did a great job describing it you have impeccable taste i'm always impressed when a man knows what confit is because i've seen that word and i didn't know what it was so thank you for that and praise for tardif t-a-r-d-i-f we'll get to more calls on the dish here 210-599-5555 that sounds like one of the nice things about the dish is when people describe I mean, we like all kinds of places. We like all kinds of prices. But when people describe special occasion places, I think people need that because you know where to go if it's just, hey, it's Thursday night, or hey, it's the weekend, or hey, we need to go after church. But but I think I think where people really struggle is when they have a special anniversary, a special birthday, something like a special occasion to celebrate. And you don't want to just go to the same, oh, you know, the, the tower or you know, some tired old place that you've been to before where it's price and pretension. You want something that, I mean, you're willing to pay more, but you want something that makes that feel special. And and so places like this just fit the bill. I mean, that's 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 great. I can imagine that's going to be a destination for graduation dinners and things like that. And it looks fantastic on the website. 210-599-5555 as we talk restaurants with Matthew on KTSA. Hey, Matthew, happy Friday. Happy Friday, Jack. How are you doing? 
I'm good, sir. How are you? I'm doing great. Um, first of all, I'd like to put out a public apology to Sea Island, primarily because I went to Jay Anthony's on General McMullen about a week ago and was sorely disappointed. I should have known better. Uh, the 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 fish was it, it was overpriced, I believe, a little bit. And we ordered the macaroni with cheese, like it's supposed to be like a mac and cheese, but it was like with shells. It mm-hmm. came out looking more like um, shells with like a white cheese soup. It wasn't even mm-hmm. wasn't wasn't hot. It, it was it was not good. So um, uh, about two days later, uh, I had to, I don't know if you're like this, but I'm like this. Once I have something bad and I really wanted it, I had to go replace it with something good. And so we went to Sea Island, and as usual, yeah. we had a wonderful experience. We go to the one over there on uh, Northwest Loop 410. It was it was great. I always have the, especially if we go to lunch. I have the uh, number the B special with the fillet and the shrimp, and the service is always good. And I mean, even though you're just you walk up and it's a and you order at the counter, they come by and they check on you and feel, you know see if you need anything. Very mm-hmm. attentive. And so, once again, I apologize to Sea Island for not going there in the first place. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. I, I, I will always go to Sea Island. For well, you know, I mean, you gotta you gotta branch out once in a while, right? You you, you gave it a try. Was that was, was that your first time you'd ever been there? Oh, uh, to Jay Anthony's? No. Yeah, yeah. Um, I had had we'd had uh, we go as a family sometimes, and what we usually do with my. Uh, girlfriend pointed out is we usually order if there's like you know there's usually about eight to ten of us when we go and uh we order order like in large quantities and the food was usually pretty good uh we just ordered separate plates and it wasn't that good so i i don't know what happened maybe they were having a bad day and i give them that right and you said it was the general mcmullen uh location right yes yes sir all right matthew i'm sorry that happened but i'm glad you're able to Make it up at Sea Island. We love that place. So a zing tonight for Matthew for J. Anthony's Seafood, 847 South General McMullen Drive. A zing for J. Anthony's, but praise for Sea Island. So I guess a zing and a praise, Don, if we can. Give me criticism. Break, man. <laughs> it's so short. That's the shortest zing we've ever had. Give me criticism. Break, man. Okay. All right. Two ten five nine nine fifty five. It doesn't. It doesn't help if you play it more. It's still too short. Thank God it's. There is no, again, no indication of aliens or extraterrestrial activity with these recent takedowns. Again, there is no indication of aliens or terrestrial activity with these recent takedowns. Wanted to make sure that the American people knew that, all of you knew oh. that. Will you tell us? I, I'm just, you know, I loved E.T., the movie, but I'm, I'm just going to leave it there. I'll tell you what. Uh, the... Aliens are in the government. Um, <laughs> they're not riding around in balloons. They're the ones telling us everything's fine. All right, um, on the JR poll, our question was, and, and this might seem a little odd, but we're now, I think, what, seven weeks into the year, and they say that New Year's resolutions kind of like the break-even point is around six or seven weeks into the year. That's when 
if 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 you're not making it, that's when you're not making it. If you're if you're gonna stick with it, that that's a good sort of time to check in and see. So we asked you today, how are your New Year's resolutions going? Are they still in effect? Are they broken? Or did you not make any? And seventy percent said they didn't make any. Must be nice to have everything just the way you you want it to be. Um so 70% didn't make any. 24% say their New Year's resolutions are just fine. And 6% say their resolutions are broken. And I, I am in the 6%. I, last couple of years before this year, I made resolutions, kept them, uh, felt really good about that. Um, I didn't really make any big ones for this year. This was kind of some minor stuff, but I've blown through all of it. So yes, it's on to 2024 for me. I'm, I'm putting in the subs, you know. I'm resting the starters, putting in the subs till 2024. Uh, we'll have a new JR poll question uh, Monday starting at 4 when we're live on the radio. But you can always find the poll at KTSA.com. You can always find whole episode podcasts of our show that way as well. Go to KTSA.com, pull down the On Demand tab, or just anytime you're on a platform where you get other podcasts, Look for the Jack Riccardi Show podcast. We have a lot of people that listen on weekends. So if I can't ruin your life during the week, I'd be happy to ruin it during the weekend. Uh, I was, I thought this was, this is kind of funny and also a little bit unfortunate. You feel for these people. There's a, there's a, um, a little hobbyist group, a little hobbyist club in Northern Illinois that is saying tonight, and this is from aviationweek.com. That they're pretty sure one of the things that the Air Force shot down was their balloon. They had launched a um, little silver-coated, what's called Pico balloon or Pico balloon. I'm not too sure. Um, just to sort of see where it would go and track it. It's a hobby of theirs. Uh, these are people. A lot of them are retired. These are people that were science teachers and engineers and. You know, they're kind of into science. And they lost contact with their balloon on February 10th when it was at 39,000 feet off the west coast of Alaska. And they're thinking it was probably one of the things the uh, F-22s shot down. And they, they feel bad about it. Uh, they, they obviously missed their balloon. But one of the members was also saying, we really hate that the government spent all that money Um shooting down our balloon, which, by the way, cost them, are you ready for this, $12. So $12 balloon, $500,000 missile. And and on one of those uh, objects, they had to shoot two missiles. So That whole thing, so weird. Something just feels like we're not getting the whole story. I don't know. Still not. I'm kind of keeping an open mind about the whole thing. I've put the I've put the Chinese spy balloon and the unidentified objects thing kind of in the same folder like where I keep the Kennedy assassination, you know? Like just not sure who I believe or if I believe any of the versions that we've been given, but in any event. Um I thought this was interesting and and I'm not making this up. This is the newest uh, target of the anti-racists. 
in uh, California, of course. They are looking to ban police dogs, you know, canine, because police dogs are racist. Now, you might say, how can you tell if the dog is racist? I wondered that. I, I mean, I really need to know. I have a dog. I need to find out. Um, but it turns out it's not that some dogs are and some dogs are not. The argument from this <clears throat> this anti-race group, anti-racism group, is that all police dogs, by definition, are racist because dogs were used by slave catchers and are a carryover from that era. Now, <clears throat> it is true that um, slave catchers used dogs. They also used horses. So is that also going to happen or, or what? And what about the dogs that are like finding bombs and drugs? And would it not be and dogs that that do cadaver searches i mean there's think of all the victims of crimes who would never have been found no closure but for some dog that was trained to find them so that's what they're doing in california police dogs have got to go i <laughs> i just can't even let's just leave it there it's friday night hope you have a great weekend catch the podcast Come back and be with us live on Monday.